0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston Sports Podcast. And joining me for his weekly visit is Frank from Rockets Chop Shop. And Frank, I was wondering on a scale from one to ten, you got an early uh testing question here. How <laughs> positive are you about what you're seeing from the Rockets right now?
1: Oh, I thought about this. Um I guess it's just I, I, I was trying to grade them on the scale of not like a, a decent NBA team that's trying to win games, but for compared to the other rebuilding teams, I think I'm gonna give them a, a, a nice seven. And and the reason is because at this point in the rebuild I don't think we've done anything that is means like the team is broken or anything bad, can't that can't be fixed at this point. Um, Just overall, uh, just, you know, with the draft position, I like the players that we've drafted. Um, You know, I like uh, some of the things that I'm seeing from some of the draft picks, even though we're going to talk about uh, some of the struggles of some of our players coming up. Um, I do like the fact that the team plays hard. Um, You know, I couldn't give them a higher number uh, because of obviously, you know, some of the issues we've discussed in the past regarding the the, uh, you know, offensive scheme, the defensive scheme, um, the coaching situation. To me, the coaching doesn't really add or take away any points because I've made up in my mind that it's only temporary. So I'm going to put that to the side. Uh, but overall, um, I don't think they've done anything to break any of the players. And I think all the issues that we are seeing with them can be easily addressed in this coming off season. Now, if we go into next offseason and we are in the same position we are now, then that number drastically drops. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to give them a solid seven right now. Has that seven moved up slightly or down
0: slightly with everything that's been going on in the last couple of weeks?
1: Um, I would say it's been, I think, the even though they've had some pretty bad losses recently, I think the, the competitiveness, aside from a couple of games, has been pretty good. Uh, I'm judging them on just effort. You know, I'm seeing a lot of some of the issues they had last season kind of go away a little bit. A lot of, most of the time, the guys are running back on defense. Um, they're not quitting on their rotations as much. Um, guys are giving effort on both ends of the court, even though misguided at times. Uh, even to some extent, uh, some of our, our our guards are starting to allow the offense to flow a little bit more than just forcing isos, even though they do still do it a lot. Uh, but, yeah, I would say it's pretty much been the same. I am a bit disappointed because my expectations for the overall team and play of some of the players was a bit higher coming into this offseason. I thought they'd be better. Um, but I had to re kind of reassess, you know, the, the big picture for them. So I'm going to yeah, I'm going to say that it's pretty much stayed the same. And um, I'm going to see, I'm putting a lot of, a lot of stock man into this coming off season for everybody, for stone, for coach Silas, for all the players, this, this off season coming up. And it starts really in the trade deadline uh, is going to be where I really start grading. Like you're a regular NBA team and not just one of the worst teams in the league. You and I are
0: recording Monday afternoon. So prior to the Spurs game, Monday night, so far this season, Jalen green's three point shooting is an issue over his last 15 games. He's shooting 23% on six attempts per game for the season. It's 31%, which is down 2% from his rookie season. You would think it would be going up instead of down because he was starting to show progress late last year. What do you make of this?
1: Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've been trying to figure it out because um, I, I went and looked at his October numbers from uh, from 2021 season. He was at 28%. As we all know, he started off really, really bad. Um, and a lot of the issues was his positioning on the offense. November of last year, he was at 27%. In December, he had a couple of good games, got hurt, then came back and then started getting back to league average to where he ended up, ended up the season as a 34% uh, three-point shooter. Uh, this year, so far, October, he is at uh, 34. He started off pretty good on seven attempts. Um, then it it just kind of went downhill from there. 34 uh, in November on seven attempts, then 19 at, so far this month. Um, and his attempts went down to 5.9, which tells me he's getting a little gun shy. And you could probably see it um, in some of the games where he is um, kind of hesitant to shoot. And I think it's a self, kind of a self, cycle that he's shooting bad. You can see he's hesitating to shoot and then shots don't look as good. Um I'm not sure. You know, one thing I am fearful of for him um is that he is a streaky shooter. And to me that does take down his ceiling a little bit as a player. Um I don't you know I don't know if he is a he's at the point yet where his shooting can be that bad um on a on a maybe uh game stretches or night to night basis because he doesn't get to the line as much as you would like for a guy like that. You know, we watched James Harden be a streaky shooter for years where he'll have games where he'd go two for 15, two for 15. Then all of a sudden he'll hit 10 threes in a game and drop 50 points. But even though when Harden would go two for 15, he would get to the line 15 times. And I think that's what Jalen, um, if he is not able to get to the line at will and that shooting uh, kind of fluctuates like that, then, you start getting worried about you know what it is his ceiling as as a scorer, so I think for him you know it may just be a sophomore slump, uh, maybe he's hitting a wall right now. Um, I do expect it to pick up as the as it goes along because the reason I really like Jalen as a player and as a prospect is that he's a combination of a uber athletic guard that you know the Derrick Rose's, John Moran types that flashes that he could shoot like a you know one of these. Um, Three point snipers, and which makes him really deadly. Um, if 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 he is not, then it really takes away from like what you think he can be. Because uh, when he's not scoring, his defense is good, but it's not great. Um, he's re- his rebounding is good, is not great. His playmaking is evolving, and it's a lot of great flashes there, but it's not great like a John Morant, like a Russell Westbrook. You know, like some of these guys that aren't great shooters but great athletes. So to me, it, that is something that we should be looking at. and Hopefully, he does improve it. Is the issue partly
0: because he's having to create too many of his three-point shots off the dribble? You're baiting
1: me into talking bad about Coach Silas, but I'm not going to do it. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would put a lot of stock into the fact that he's trying to isolate and shoot. And, um, you know, as I pointed out in one of the videos I made, he's probably one of the worst ISO players on on the team. He is not a good ISO player. Jalen thrives coming off the of screens. He thrives, uh, you know, uh, kind of running uh running two man games with big man where he's not really doing the pick and roll thing but more as a as a as a guy that's coming off screens to shoot. And which is which I love that about his game. But in our offense, you know, he's being used um as a, you know, they do run the pick and rolls, which he does fairly well. And he's one of the best high volume pick and roll players on our team, which is not saying much, guys, because we're one of the worst pick and roll teams in the NBA. Um but a lot of the opportunities I'd like to see him get um, he doesn't get a lot of his shots are, are just last minute catch and shoots where he's um, either trying to do a dribble package and do a step back or it's um, just, you know, off balance and things like that. When he's coming off of screens, when he's running off pin downs and things and it's plays like that set up for him, he he tends to shoot better. Um, and it kind of leads to the lack of creativity in our offense, which is, you know, if one thing I'm going to say negative about this team all year I hate our offensive system. It's to the point where I just really hate it. And if there's anything that I would say can let me know that we're not going to be the team that, um, or this system is not going to be the one that we contend with or get to the playoffs with, is just because of the offense. I just don't see it. It doesn't fit our guys, not even Jalen. Think about Jabari. Think about guys like Shane Goon. Think about all the different kind of diverse offensive pieces we have and how running a five-out, pick-and-roll heavy, offense with two, gu- two guards that don't know how to play point guard yet and are learning how that's a detrimental to not only to me for them, also for the rest of the team. So it may have something to do with that. But like I said, I've seen him thrive in the system. Like he had the stretch last year where he was able to score all those points on high efficiency. It's just kind of hard to tell right now whether it's something he's doing or is it something that you know, the, the offense isn't helping him out with. Now, they could do some things to help him out. Like I said, try to play more to his strengths. Um, I do like him getting on ball now. Uh, but to me, that may also be a reason why he is struggling a bit is that he's been asked to do more in the offense. But um may just be a sophomore slump, but we'll see. I expect it to, to pick up as time goes on because if it doesn't, then we do need to sound the alarms. But it's still kind of early in my view. I want to ask you about the newest
0: Rocket rookie in the rotation in a sec, but before I do, just a quick reminder to support the show by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. Later this week, my co-host Sean Bujani and I sit down with Texan linebacker uh, Blake Cashman. I'll also uh, talk to a feature writer for The Ringer on her piece about potential Texan QB Bryce Young and a little bit about Jabari Smith baby, in that as well. She did a feature on him. So, Frank, uh, let's get to a little good news. We're finally seeing rookie Ty Ty Washington in the rotation. He had five assists, no turnovers in his first game, two assists, no turnovers in his second. What's your first impression of him?
1: I mean, Ty Ty, his, you know, once again, just scouting him, looking at him prior to him even playing for the Rockets, um, he is a guard that a lot of people may not be familiar with um, the type of game that he has. He's not a explosive kind of scorer. This dude is very methodical. He's a the type of guard that I think people think of when you think of a point guard, and he does have a little bit of a combo guard with him. Um, I guess where he's picked may throw people off, but there was a time where this dude was a, like a locked-in lottery pick, uh, but due to injuries, you know, it kind of knocked him off there. Um, obviously, being recruited and starting for Kentucky should speak for itself, um, knowing the caliber of guards that they normally put out. I mean, I'm, I've am i expected more from Ty Ty, to be honest. Um, I, he's When he first came, started the season, he was a bit passive, um, looked like he was not ready for the moment to play in the NBA. And I think that's the only issue with him. Once it clicks for him in his mind and he is, I guess, feels comfortable and feels confident in playing, he is, honestly, he probably fits Silas's system more than any of the players that we have right now. Because one of the things he thrives in is the pick and roll. Ty-Ty is a master pick-and-roll um, for a young guy. The If you want to go see just every pass made out of the pick-and-roll, go watch the game where he broke John Wall's um, Kentucky record for assists when he had 15 assists in a game. And just look at how he uses his head and his eyes and his body movement to manipulate um, the defense to get passes open for his big and to guys on the perimeter. Um, I think the Rockets, you know, I'm I'm shocked that it took this long for them to give him more tries um, but obviously when you have a log jam at multiple positions like with eric gordon being there it does make it a, a bit tough for him to get pt i mean watching the game that he had the five assists this guy was making passes in transition that i have not seen probably in the year and a half since Jalen was drafted he's passing um, you know to the corners um he is passing on the flare screens that shangun sets. If everybody remembers you watch the game shangun's always has these flare screens that our guards never really notice and uh they just ignore it or if they do see it they throw the ball to the the guy that's being screened for too late uh Ty-tai hits that instantly um obviously the floater game is there uh, for a guy that's not athletic that is a must for him to have so he's able to get into that soft spot of the defense uh to be able to punish them for playing the drop on him and things like that so if Ty Ty hits as a player, even as a backup point guard, man, it, it, mean, it means so much, not only for just him, but for guys like Jabari. You saw him make a pass to Shane Goon. I mean, to me, if he gets better and he keeps getting more playing time, things might get controversial because you guys will get to see a flash of what the offense and what the team is supposed to function like and how other guys play off of him when you have a player that's actually been groomed to play point guard his whole life.
0: All right, I'm going to throw this out at you on Ty Ty. And I didn't watch him much at Kentucky, but what I've noticed with the Rockets in summer league, preseason, regular season, he's a little passive. He looks like a good backup NBA point guard, but I don't see the confidence of a starting point guard alpha leader type. And you say, well, maybe he can grow into that, but I don't know. Do you think that's fair at this point? Especially, you know, it seems like point guards are born, not made as much
1: point guards are definitely born um you know it's a philosophical argument but just like with quarterbacks just like with pitchers you can't t- teach a guy to pitch it's either you have the arm or you don't um a point guard is is a position that you have to have a certain feel for the game he has that uh the the him being passive I definitely I noticed that too as far as the alpha thing I mean if I wa- when I watched him at Kentucky he definitely controlled the floor but he does it from more of a cerebral standpoint And some of the leadership qualities and that alpha that you would like in a lead ball handler, I haven't seen that from him. I'm not going to lie. And I haven't seen that pretty much at any level, but to me, you don't really need to be that when you have a Jabari Smith on the team. Um, I think certain positions, um, even though you would prefer them to be like the, you know, the unspoken leader, you can also build a team like Tim Duncan, for example, is a, is a great player that wasn't, you know, rah, rah. You know, he's a nice guy, but he would destroy you. And there were other guys on the team that would take on that role of that vocal kind of alpha player. So I don't think it's a, it's necessarily a bad thing for him. My only issue with him is, is him being passive and not assertive. And the only way he's going to get playing time and actually get to show his skills on our team with all these young players that everybody wants to get the shine. Everybody wants to show what they can do. Everybody's trying to get their shots is he's going to have to be more, more assertive. And, and Jalen suffers from the same issues. We've complained about Jalen being passive and, and um, giving the ball up to Eric Gordon and to Kevin Porter Jr. when it's like, okay, bro, the game is on the line. It's, it's go get it. You know, you got to go get it. And we see how he acts when there's a more balanced mix of players, of basically uh, random players on the floor compared to when he's with the starter. So I think the Rockets can help some by moving some guys out of the way. I think Coach Silas can help by putting some lineups that allow him to feel empowered. Um, I didn't like the Knicks and him lineup, but I kind of like it in theory because <laughs> <laughs> it, it allows him to be around like level players and maybe, you know, if Knicks doesn't look him off all the time, he might get some chances. So, yeah, I think there's some things we can do, but I'm really excited to see him grow because I think he's the guy that for every, even for Kevin Porter Jr., I think Ty is the guy that they need. I can't wait to see them do a three-guard lineup with him, Jalen, and KBJ.
0: Steven Silas continues to be the parent that just can't say no. Like he's the guy that's like, "Oh, you want some cotton candy?" Sure. You want you, you want to play tonight?" Sure, We, we, we could play three point guards and three centers, which is what he's doing right yep. now. I'm waiting for the 15-man rotation coming soon. Houston <laughs> Rockins.
1: Yeah, his, um, the rotations are definitely questionable. Um, he was doing good. Then he started doing bad again. I don't know what happened. I uh, he the the Knicks and Ty-Ty backcourt was uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, I'm in a in a game that I guess he thought it was lost because the game was pretty much out of hand. But I'd like to see uh, you know one thing that I would give him kudos on the Ty-Ty and Jalen backcourt. I don't know if you caught that one during the uh, the Blazers game where they had a stretch where they played together with the Goon Squad. I like that. Actually, I really enjoyed that watching that lineup. Um, I like the tight ty- if he can get some uh tie tie with KPJ, if KPJ is willing to play off off ball why tie tie plays a point guard. Now, all of this, you know, to me the reason I I, I would agree with your Stephen Silas point is that as a coach, you can tell your players tie tie is gonna be on ball, KPJ, you're playing off ball. But the way our system is, the guys get to choose. And when you have these young players, getting to choose when they want to cook and when they want to play a lot of times, the more passive players really kind of fall to the wayside like Jabari only getting three shots or four shots in a game where he's on fire. So I think if they could be, if the coaches can be more assertive to help out some of these younger players that don't feel they have a voice yet, then it may be better for the team. But to me, like the tie tight thing, if, if he is an actual NBA player, it helps everybody. It helps Jalen It helps Kevin Porter. And they need to be able to get data points because even if it's not him, to me, the question of drafting next year comes into, uh, into play because you're trying to see what an archetype like him would be like next to these guys. So just for that alone, because Knicks is not it, you know, Nick's is not the archetype of a point guard that I, I'm envisioning just for that alone. I'd want to mix him up with multiple lineups because the Rockets might get lucky enough to draft a Scoot Henderson, a guy that does play the, the role a little more traditionally and, you'd like to see how some of our players work off of a guy like that. Ty
0: Ty had five assists in his first game. Like I said, starting point guard, Kevin Porter is averaging 5.6 assists in three times as many minutes. He's also second in the NBA in turnovers with four per game. Only Joel Embiid, not a point guard, has more turnovers per game than KPJ. His shooting percentage is the same, uh, But his three-point percentage is down from last year. So it's the same shooting percentage overall, but three-point percentage is down. And his E field goal percentage is the worst of his career this year, even though his free-throw percentage is way up. Do you think, looking at all those numbers and all the other stuff that you're seeing, that he has improved overall this season?
1: Um, it's, it's hard to tell. And he is a mystery uh, to me as whether the improvement is there because what I do like his temperament is improved. He's not doing some of the non basketball stuff on the court that drove me crazy as much. The decision making is improved uh, as, as, as much as the turnover. And I'm not talking about just turning the ball over. I'm talking about knowing when to let other players Take control, and I, he's done a great job doing that. The shooting is is, is not good. Um, the shooting has definitely taken a dive. Like you said, his EFG has uh, plummeted um, from last year. And One of the things that's really taken a dive is his pick-and-roll um, ball handling. Uh, last season, um, he was in the uh, 41st percentile in the NBA or 43rd percentile, which isn't great. This year, um, he is down to the 23rd. His points per possession in the pick-and-roll is 0.74 right now, which is really, really, really bad uh, for a starting level point guard to the point where Jalen Green is actually a better pick and roll player than him this season. And obviously the Rockets run a ton of pick and roll. So if your point guard is really suffering at that, you know, that really says something. Um, Last season it was 0.82, not great, but you know, that's almost a, 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 a like a 10 point when we're looking at the decimal system decrease in pick and roll um, efficiency his shooting out of the pick and roll is down a lot, you know, almost 10% down with his EFG out of the pick and roll. So I'm not sure what's, you know, I'm trying to think, is it more responsibility? Was there a change? Was it Christian Wood um, that made those numbers look better now that he doesn't have that Christian Wood, you know, um, catch and shoot or rolling threat there? It makes it harder for him. But um, I think it all comes down to, you know, like I made a, you know, my last video was discussing, whether um the rockets uh you know how the the rebuild fits the players and you know my assessment of them is that they're in a system that doesn't play to their strengths and we've talked about this over and over and over again you look at the skill set of a kevin porter jr this is a guy that's one of the best catch and shoot three-point shooters on high volume in the nba um you look at his skill set as an isolation scorer, as a guy that you just want to go get a bucket um you look at uh, what he does and how he scores and the manner in which he scores, which is really just focusing on his own game and, um, you know, trying to pick out mismatches. And you look at that and say, hey, let me put you at point guard. That doesn't make sense to me, you know? And it, it just, it doesn't fit what he does. And I think people start to look at it, oh, you're talking bad about him. No, this is just literally objectively looking at what he does well. That, what we're asking him to do, it's almost detrimental to his game. Um, and, and it's almost unfair because he's going to get judged in the open market of the NBA based on what we're asking him to do as a point guard in, on the Houston Rockets. Um, I'd like to see him play more of his natural position, which is he's he was drafted as a three, but he's really a two guard. Um, Let him play that two guard. Let him have lineups where he can be a primary scorer, and that's just what we want him to do with a more passive guard, like I said, with a tight tie. tie you know, uh, let him get some of those runs so he can get his chances and then take him off the ball more and let him play his natural role. And this could go for Jabari, it could go for Jalen. We just aren't fitting right now with what um, Silas's system is. And to me, there's only two outcomes that could come from this. Either you get better players that can play what he wants to do or you replace the system, which means replace the coach. Um, but ultimately, like I said, in my mind, I'm reserved with, I'm okay with it. If they want to take this season to do whatever they want to do, that's fine. Once next season starts, all of this stuff will not fly. Not with the fan base. I don't think it'll fly with the Rockets' um, top, top organization because the incentive to suck goes away. And now people are going to be judged on outcomes. And once that starts, I'm hoping we'll start seeing some more realistic moves from the team rather than uh, experimentation.
0: The thing that drives me nuts about his turnovers and other areas of the scheme too, not just the turnovers, is the lack of focus? Jalen averages three turnovers, but nearly all of them, Frank, seem to be because his handle is not tight. Mm-hmm. But, but KPJs are usually mental mistakes.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has a lot of uh, gasket uh, gasket blowouts um, mid play, and it's just the game is, is. He's like I said, you can't you can't teach a, a player how to play certain positions. I think point guard, you have to have that feel. People want to make the James Harden comps. I challenge anybody, go watch James Harden at uh, Arizona State um, and go watch James Harden in high school. If you can find some of his clips, go watch James Harden at Oklahoma City when he was closing out as the point guard in the playoffs for them. This is a guy that, even though he's not a quote-unquote point guard, he, he had the feel his whole his whole life. He's always had the ability to read and manipulate the defense. Um, it's not something you can teach a guy just because he he's a great... I, I think what the Rockets saw, they see a great ISO score that has passing ability and they think, Oh, James Harden, which to me is, you know, that's a different story about being able to construct a team and, and assess players, but they, they're swinging for the upside with him. And I know even, you know, over the years, he's improved in some aspects of his game. Um, but I think that they're pressing a little bit too much now because now you're starting to impact uh, some of the other players. You're impacting Jabari Smith. To me, honestly, some of the experiments the Rock has done have caused Jalen, uh, possibly being a rookie of the year, have, are going to cause Jabari in the long run because Jabari should have had a 30-point game by now. You know, if, if a guy's shooting that well, I'm doing everything to sell out to get him the ball if I'm his guard. Like, that is my main function. I I get off from him making shots, and I need, that's me. That's what gets me happy. Um, I just don't see that focus, like you said. Um, the turnovers, you know, I, at this point, I just, I just assume we're gonna have like five or ten between him and Jalen. Um, I'm not sure. I'm really curious what Silas really thinks about this because I, I can't think that he sits there, watches film and say this is, this looks good. I just can't. I can't imagine it. Like they could watch film and think like this is what we want. So it may be a Stone thing, like we said with some of the other stuff. Maybe Stone just, just loves Kevin Porter Jr. at point guard. When was the last time he made a pass that wowed you? He's the point guard. Uh, he made one. remember that one, one-handed, I think right-handed pass that he whipped across. the. <laughs> that was like last month. But um, it's, there are some reads he makes. Um, I'm not going to say that he's just horrible because like I've talked to you about before, I'm past just blaming him for everything. At this point, let's talk to the adults in the room. We know what he is and what he isn't. You know, we could belabor it. At this point, I'm looking at Rafael Stone and Steven Silas, and I'm really looking at Rafael Stone. This is your team you've constructed. This is the guy that you're going to entrust your two top three draft picks with. And if they don't understand the impact of a point guard on the development of other players around them, then I'm really concerned about our rebuild for real. So I'm looking at Rafael Stone, and that's why I said this trade deadline, that's the clock. What they do from now till you know the beginning of next season tells me everything I need to know about this franchise and whether we're going to be successful or not, because we've been eating all all the, all the stuff from before and assuming, Oh yeah, it's, it's for a plan. There's a bigger plan. I'm starting to think some of this stuff is purposeful, but I'm going to hold, I'm going to reserve judgment until this deadline, because the first thing they got to do is get EG out of here. I don't know if you saw the story of uh, from the athletics saying that um, Eastern, some Eastern conference executive says, this is the year that EG, I don't want to hear that. I just want to see the Wolves bomb saying Eric Gordon was traded because they drop these rumors every single season and the guys is still here at the end of the season. So, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see some action from them and see what they're about because they've been skating on. We're a tanking team. It's time to for people to start uh, getting paid for what they do. I want to come back to another thought I have on Kevin Porter, but talking about the Eric
0: Gordon trade market. I'm not liking how the chips are falling right now, Frank. The Lakers lose Anthony Davis for at least a month, so we might be three or four weeks away from them just giving up on the season because without Anthony Davis, they're bad right now. I mean, he's he is the reason why that they really looked halfway decent in the last uh, few weeks. Um, so that takes away a, a, one trade partner. I'm not seeing any teams at the top of the East with either a need for Eric Gordon or the right salaries. The Suns might be the only teams interested, but if there's no bidding war. They might hope for a buyout or go after Jordan Clarkson or even Bogdanovich in Detroit. I mean, if you start looking around, I mean, we're talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I said it was good when the Lakers were doing well because they're one of those teams, and, and you know, the Suns might be, but there are other players. And we're going to come to the point where, you know, the Rockets are going to have to make a decision. Do we ice Eric Gordon the same way we did to John Wall for the rest of the year? Because they can pick up his option and then trade them in the off season. Cause maybe somebody would want, maybe the market frees up or do you just let them go? And how bad does it look if you just let them go? So it's going to be a real tough choice. If if the market does not open up here in the next couple of months,
1: the loss was had last season, in my opinion. So at this point is just face saving. Um, they lost whatever value that they could have had for air Gordon, which at that time was a late first round pick. Um, I, You know, they've been rumors of multiple first round picks that Raphael Stone didn't think if if he ends up uh, walking or being traded for a second or for just a salary, then, yeah, it's just kind of you could add that to the stuff that you'd be suspicious about our front office for. Um, but at this point, just by just the, the fact that he just needs to move out of the rotation so that the other players because he's just by him being on the starting lineup, it is it's affecting so much on the team. Like Think about
0: about this for a second, Frank. Remember a few years ago, Eric Gordon, it seemed like every year he would miss 15 or 20 or 25 games because of some injury. And we sat there praying. We're like on our knees every year. Can Eric Gordon just make it through a season because we need his production off the bench? It helps us out. It helps take the load off of James Harden. Now, I mean one of those injuries would be the best thing that ever happened to the Rockets (laughs) franchise. I mean, I don't want to be mean about it, but Uh, like every year he's injured and now all of a sudden he's having his healthiest season. He's playing all the time. And you're like, if he goes out for a 10 game stretch and all of a sudden, you know, uh, KJ Martin starts putting up, you know, 20 and eight every night. And and, and you go, well, we, well, can, can we, if we put him back in, we look like the dumbest franchise that's ever lived. And, and, And 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 you can't and you obviously can't put him back in if you think you're going to deal him and if and if you because you've got to make sure he's healthy so you just like don't play him and ice him just to make sure that he's as healthy as can be when you try to trade him or something like that so you know it's just funny to me that like for all those years we were just like man why can't he stay healthy and it's like
1: boy if
0: he just had one of those injuries this year (laughs) what a help it would be
1: hey if 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 you want to read some tea leaves if they start choking down his minutes then that'll tell me some, there is some activity there. If this guy is still playing high, high minutes, it should, to me, what I expect is that his minutes are going to uh, taper down uh, significantly as we approach the deadline. And uh, that'll tell me that they're real serious. But I think they will trade him. I feel like they will because it just makes, like, if they keep him past the deadline, he's still playing, that would look pretty bad. Like, it, it, there's really the excuse that he was a uh, the vet that the team needed. I'm not saying Eric Gordon is not a good vet for the guys. It's just that it does beg the question of whether our front office understands like the value of positional vets as well. Like you're going to have Boban, Eric Gordon and Jason Tate, who was in the rookie sophomore rising stars game with Jalen, like last year as the main veterans for about eight first round picks. And then you start imagining who's who, like who's, is Boban, uh, I know he hangs out with Tari. And Bar- so they need to just move him and at least, if, even if they trade him. Honestly, I'm at the point, I would welcome Jordan Clarkson for Eric Gordon because at least Jordan Clarkson is, is somebody that's going to help with the pace. At least he can do multiple things on, on the court where he, he can shoot, he can run a pick and roll without dribbling the ball off his foot. Uh, at least he can play some decent guard play because I've seen him do it. And he's developing that aspect over his career. Um, and at least he won't block KJ and Tari from getting playing time. Uh, he might block uh, Ty Ty and Knicks, but the the Aragorn at the three um, position is so useless. And it's just, to me, it's conceding because we don't have the gumption to like make big decisions yet. Everybody's taking the, the uh, path of least resistance. You don't want to play guys because it might offend Christian Wood. Or You don't want to play guys that you've drafted because it might offend Kevin Porter Jr. You don't want to play guys because it might offend Eric Gordon. Put him on the bench. Y'all did the same thing to John Wall. John Wall was basically, from his account on the interview I saw with him on the Clippers, he said they tell him not even to show up to camp. So if they can do that to John Wall because they were afraid that he might beat KPJ out of his spot or, or Jalen or whatever they, the, the, fear, the random fear was, why are you still playing Eric Gordon
0: thirty minutes a night? Well, the thing is the dichotomy between the Wall and Gordon uh, situation because Wall seemed to be willing, from what we heard, to come off the bench. Yep. And Wall would have fit in perfectly in that, and he was a yep. guy that had started his whole career. And you go, well, you're not going to play at all. Whereas Eric Gordon, who was a bench player his whole career, we're going to start his him. whole Rockets career anyway. <laughs> uh, they they're like bound and determined to start him for some unknown reason even though it doesn't make sense from a lineup even though their backcourt is a lot you know more shallow as far as depth wise than the front court with with young talented players and and all that those sorts of things and i mean it just the the whole part about you know we keep going back to the rotation issues and him just playing everybody off the bench and not having rotation this is not just about okay they might be tanking here if you're tanking, it's that's that's okay. That that I can understand. But with, when you're tanking and then hurting the development of your players by not letting them get a consistent idea of what they're going to have to do in the NBA. One night a guy plays ten minutes. The yeah. next night he doesn't play. The night after that he plays twenty minutes. Sometimes he's playing small forward. The next night he's playing off guard. He's playing with different guys every night. All of that is just it's terrible for what i think are i think this team has a ton of talent that can play on a playoff team they might be missing a a leader a point guard they might be missing you know that one alpha guy to win a championship but this is a playoff team talent wise in, in two or three years if they're developed correctly
1: yeah i mean I, you just you preach into the choir man it's the rotations are a thing the the minutes the lack of um I don't know. I, I really don't know who's who's to say who's at fault because I see our coaches complain about the same things we do in the post game press conferences. Like they're not the ones selecting the lineups. Um, it, it's it, it's it's puzzling. Um, if like I said, if they're doing this next year, if this is like intentional and it's not because of a tank, even if you're a tanking, it's just more justification for you not to play guys like Eric Gordon. If you want to tank, I mean let let the let Ty Ty play twenty minutes. Let, um, you know, play all your young guys and at least get some data points. And usually teams that tank don't play their veteran, their most veteran players on the starting lineup. Um, you know, Orlando doesn't play, uh, you know, whatever his name is. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross. He plays as a backup player, but they have so much talent like we do on a team that you're, you know, you're almost hurting not only their play, but their confidence. I mean, look what happens. to Some of these guys when they don't play, KJ is the to me the skate. You know, he's the the uh, poster child for this issue that we're having. A guy that you put in the lineup, he'll give you twenty two and fifteen, and literally the next game he plays fifteen minutes. It yeah. just makes no sense. So I, I I don't know what um the rationale is behind that. Um, I I really don't know. But will this season is not is. To me, once again, for my mental health, I put it that this deadline, they have to make at least move Eric Gordon and then next offseason, let's see what you're going to do because you're going to need to bring in some vets. Who you are going to bring in and how they're going to fit with this team because you know, you're know you going to draft another rookie coming in and the fact that we ha- we've drafted seven first-round picks is not lost on me. I feel like they could have uh, consolidated some of those picks to build a better team, a more functional team, to try to build towards a contender. But yeah, here we are. So are they going to add two more rookies next year to this team? And how the hell are you going to develop all those rookies? So, yeah, it's 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 puzzling.
0: Um, but, yeah, they, they have to – they're going to have to consolidate. And maybe they're going to have to do it this season. I don't know because, yeah, those draft choices are going to come due. You're going to have to figure out what to do with them. Right now they can't figure out how to get all the young guys on the court. You mentioned Terrence yep. Ross. That's another guy you can add into uh, veterans that could be traded that would be – in the Eric Gordon mold. And I don't guess Terrence Ross is going to fetch anybody a first round pick, but that might be a benefit to a lot of those teams rather than, you know, what the Rockets are going to ask for Eric Gordon. The other part about uh, going back to the Kevin Porter situation, you talked about point guard and this team need a point guard and all that stuff. And I I just, one last thing I wanted to mention on Kevin Porter, I hear Ryan Hollins on the broadcast say, this team's got to run. I hear fans say, this team's got to run. They got all these like young guys that can get up and down the court. and. My thing is you, the only way you run is if you have a point guard that knows how to run. Kevin Mm -hmm. Porter is not a fast guy from 90 feet to 90 feet down the court. He's just not, he's not a fast guy. He's not a guy that can run and dribble at at a high speed. He's also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. He is, I mean, I, I say he's not, he's bad at fast breaks. He's not good (laughs) at decision-making on fast breaks. So a team that could really use a a guy that could run and, you know, that could be good on fast breaks because they, they, they can be a really good fast breaking team with guys like Kenyon Martin, Atari Eason. And, you know, we know the story with what they've got, but if you don't have a point guard, it doesn't matter. Just doesn't. And Jalen green, of course.
1: Yeah. And if, if you watch the plays of that, on the in the I think it was the Miami game where Tie Tai came in. Even though he's not an explosive player, watch how he run he ran a couple of those fast breaks that he was an opportunity to have. I mean he's running as fast as he can with his heads up. And one of the plays he made, he was able to pass it to the opposite side of the court to the corner, which a lot of coaches, when you're running a fast break, you always want the because the defense, their principles is to try to defend one corner of the court. And when you flip the defense to where they have to turn their hips to the opposite corner, that's when you get a lot of that dribble penetration and you can cause a lot of chaos on fast breaks. It's just, it's, like I said, um, even when we had Schroeder last year, some of the basic plays that you would expect from a guard, you see them doing it, and it looks like it's Magic Johnson out there. I'm sure other teams are looking at this and like, okay, he just passed on a fast break to a corner. Great, big whoop. But for us, to your point, it's like, wow. Uh, a point guard that can actually throw a lob. Um, once again, I'm looking at Rafael Stone on this. Like, what are you, what is in your mind about this rebuild? Maybe they have a longer timeline that we do uh, for it. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, we'll see. I think they just need to um, at least try to move Eric Gordon. If they move Eric Gordon, that will force Steven St- Silas to have to at least start one of, uh, KJ, Lord knows Tate is probably going to be in the mix for that. And, uh, when he comes back and we haven't even talked about Tate, you know, recently, as far as he's getting back to the lineup. So what does that do? So imagine if they keep Eric Gordon and Tate, you know, which young guy, which of your two first round picks is going to be getting the squeeze on that yeah, one.
0: 15 so, man rotation. Everybody plays yeah. 15 minutes. That's what it's going to be.
1: Yeah. So that, that's yeah, the Steven Silas model. Yeah. <laughs> big question um yeah it'll it'll be interesting. I'm really excited about um the t- deadline, and I'm excited about kind of the the tie tie development' because I really feel like he helps everybody out even uh even Kevin Porter and Jalen green if he's able to to be uh to be a,
0: what he, we think he can be and you referenced it earlier, we talked a lot about point guard rocket's chop shop. you got that video up too, right
1: yeah, but I made a video looking at um you know the question of does the rock do the rockets need a point guard and um, you know, ultimately, just looking through the last couple of championship teams and how they are their playmaking and lead ball handling was done, and basically the main takeaway, and you should check out the video if you haven't, um, is that it's done in a multitude of ways. Whether it's with Draymond um, as the for the Warriors, whether it's with LeBron, whether it's with Cal Lowry, whether it's with the, um, the the Spurs as a collective, the main point and the biggest takeaway from that video is that. In order to do it, you need high IQ players. And and our collective IQ on the team isn't where it needs to be right now. Obviously, that's going to improve, but whoever is making those decisions have to be people that are able to make those decisions at the highest level and make the right decision more often than not. You look at the turnover ratios, the assistive turnover ratios on all those guys, um, Draymond, all you know, Kyle Lowry, even uh, Drew Holiday, uh, which he's not a natural point guard, but... Drew Holiday had a 3.5 assist-to-turnover ratio. That means for every one turnover he had, he had about three and a half assists to make up for it. And you look at um, our guards, uh, I think KPJ is like 1.2 right now, which is basically one-to-one. So every assist comes with a turnover. And the the sample size I used for these ball handlers were in the playoffs all through the championship. So they're doing that. LeBron is at like 2.5. Kyle Lowry is like at 2.5. You know, all these guys are like the Spurs as a collective is like at two point something. They're doing that in the most high leverage moments. And I didn't look at their regular season. And our guys in uh, October, November and December of a NBA season um, are in the one to one ratio, which is everyone assist comes with a turnover. So if that alone should should speak volumes to like some of these issues that we have as a team, we need for the sake of all these young guys, for the sake of trying to look at what a real NBA team is supposed to look like when you're contending they need help and whether it's through um, the d- trades or just playing different guys in different positions, it really needs to be addressed by, uh, by the Rockets. The Rockets
0: organization, they make some weird decisions. And just real quickly, because I, I was thinking about this as uh, as we were talking and I'm, I'm, I'm looking over my right shoulder. I've got this new Rockets banner up, which is the uh, logo that they've got. I don't understand it, Frank. They, they have decided nearly every home game it seems like maybe it's maybe it just seems like it's my imagination they're running out these san diego rockets uniforms which i think are just okay they're okay Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool that to pay homage to the original uniforms but the original uniforms weren't in houston they were started in san diego it was a team that you got from another city and it seems like they're running that uniform out every single game practically and i'm like you know what you want to pay homage to the the uniform that we created here in Houston, the ketchup and mustard uniform that we won two champions with. That is what everybody associates with winning and our history and everything. And instead, they're pitting out these uniforms that I mean, they're, they're not anything special. They they look good. I think a little bit. uh They look all right if, if you're up close with them. Mm-hmm. But when you're watching them on television. It just looks like, am I watching Oregon? Like, what am I watching here?
1: <laughs> the Sonics. Um, I would say that I like the uniforms if they would match the court with it. I think it's a bit lazy, and it, it looks kind of odd with our red court. I like, like, the uh, where they did the combination one, This I think it was the last game, with the pinstripes. They actually went all out and made the court with the pinstripes on it. Um, you know, I, it, it looks weird. It looks like we're the away team. When we're playing with those green uniforms on the uh, on our regular court, so I think they, they could have done a little bit more uh, to make that. And I'm not mad at the concept. Obviously, they were, um, you know, trying to uh, uh, to to commemorate Big E and um, it, some of the But it's a, it's a it, to me. There's nothing wrong with the concept. There's nothing wrong
0: necessarily with the uniforms for a couple of games. But if you're running uh, yeah, about yeah, every yeah. every frequency. every week or two, I mean, come on, why?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it's the equivalent of, there was a season we had those, um, the ones with the Chinese letterings on there that was like that. I, I, I just never understood stood having that and what that has to do with Houston, except possibly that we were trying to um, uh, market more, try to get more money. Uh, but it seems like they do that a lot, where the uniform concepts are more just, have less to do with basketball and history and more to do with like, uh, marketing aspect of it so i'm guessing that's what it is um but yeah i'm not sure i haven't seen a lot of them in the in the crowds at the games um i think i've seen a couple of them but mostly like you said most people are gonna have the pinstripes or the uh ketchup and mustard ones um i'm not you know i'm not gonna die on that hill it's probably shouldn't come back after this season uh but um you know it is what it is i'm, I'm more worried about the fact that we can't run a fast break than the uh sonic looking uniforms that we have right now <laughs> Yeah, that,
0: that's true too and by the way i think the sonic uniforms way better than Oh well, yeah yeah way better like i i, I kind of like some of the old because
1: yeah it was the lo- letter the, the logo 5. was really nice yeah
0: the logo's cool you can see the green a lot more these yeah. are just pla- they're, these are just white with trim basically yeah. is all it is don't they have a green version that we haven't seen yet uh maybe i haven't seen it though like yeah i guess it seems they have like a
1: green they have a dark i think they did i'm not sure i i I thought i saw it
0: yeah it seems like they've done it this several times and it's been the same issue or whatever so that that you that that it's the same white look not issue but the same white look or something like that but anyway uh well have i don't think i'm gonna talk to you before uh christmas so have a great holiday and we'll talk again next week hopefully
1: yeah same to you brother happy holidays to all the people listening
0: You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.